looking at? The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code. Good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. Hello, Discovering Trek listeners. Sarah and Casey here, and this is Discovering Trek Enterprise. Welcome to the First Frontier. The two of us are dissecting yet another episode of Enterprise. This is the first full series watch through for me, and it's a rewatch for Casey. Today, we are assessing the episode, Dear Doctor. This episode traveled over the airways into your TV unit about 20 years ago on January 23rd, 2002. If you haven't watched this episode yet, what, what were you doing back then? You had so much time. So if you're spoiler phobic, please just go fire up Paramount Plus, Netflix, or Amazon Prime, watch it, come back here and join us as we chat about Dear Doctor. And that's it. We hope you have enjoyed our non-warning spoiler warning. Hey, welcome everybody. Before we get into Dear Doctor, we want to remind you that we like to hear from our listeners about everything Enterprise. So, how can you all get in touch with us with your thoughts, ideas, questions on the first season of Enterprise? Well, if you want to drop us a note or communicate with us, there are a bunch of ways you can do that. Of course, you can go to trekgeeks.com slash contact and find a variety of ways to get us your thoughts. On Twitter or Facebook, all you have to do is search for Discovering Trek and you can leave us a message there. If you're up to snuff in Morse code, you can go for it. But let's be honest here. We will probably not understand the message. So how about an easier way? You can leave us a voicemail by visiting our website at trekgeeks.com and click on the big blue button. Remember that any comments you leave us might be used in a future episode of Discovering Trek. Enough of that. Pie chart time. (laughs) Slices of pie. This is how we do it. I got myself a sour cherry pie and I'm going to have four and a half slices. I thought Phlox was great in this episode. It was overdue to get some Phlox action. Mm -hmm. Um, It was nice to see just like a bit of everybody in this. It was a good ensemble. I hear you. Absolutely agree. I'm giving this one a five slicer. This is almost mowing down the entire tin and just... Fox is a character, the the use of almost everybody in here where we get a, a lot of meat and having an episode where not everyone agrees of, of, of what to do and how to do it and or why. Very much enjoyed this episode in comparison with all the others so far. I like it. You know what I like? What's that? I like hearing your lyrical recaps because you young lady, are we able to whip these suckers out so fast and so well? <laughs> I got up this morning at six. I went to bed at two. I got up at six. I watched the episode. I wrote my thing. And then I went oh. grocery shopping. <laughs> you so. are a party animal. You are that yeah. man. Good for you. So here we go. This is the best I could do. The episode is a letter from Flocks to a doc about his experience and the things that do shock. Poor Porthos has gas. He can't eat the cheese. At movie night, Flocks talks. Be quiet, would you please? We get to see Cutler. She's got a small crush. When she kissed Flocks's cheek, he felt quite a rush. We meet a new species. They're advanced, but quite sick. During lunch, Hoshi turns to gossip real quick. 
T'Pol has a cavity and talks about mating, and Archer wants updates because he doesn't like waiting. It turns out the disease isn't a virus at all. It's genetic, and the species is one day to fall. The interesting part that I haven't yet said is another species exists, and none are as dead. The mank are evolving and destined to live, and all Archer wants is to is a cure he can give. The ethics are messy. I must keep this rhyme. Archer makes mention of a directive called Prime. In the end, they don't cure them. Let nature take course. This episode was rad, an enjoyable force. You, with minimal sleep and maximum talent, have once again crushed this rhyme. <laughs> oh my God. I sincerely hope that whoever communicates with us with the hashtag of rhyming for season two adds to that. But Sarah only, oh. because you're way better. Oh, no, 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 no. That's so mean. <laughs> I don't want it. Don't do it. <laughs> you're fantastic. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, hey, I think since both of us really like this episode, um, kind of get into it. I mean, what are some, what are your, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking here? Here's my biggest thought that came out of this episode. And it kind of plays in a little bit to what I talked about when we discussed the last episode, the one with the hidden monsters Silent I didn't enemy? pay attention to. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Remember how I, yeah, that one. I kind of want to rewatch it though. It sounds like it was, it sounds like I missed out on some cool stuff. Um, either way, I, you know how I kind of mentioned like there's this awkwardness with how they're, they're dealing with the emotional side of who these people are and the character development mm-hmm. seems kind of weird and, and misplaced. The thing that I find weird and it played out in this episode was how Phlox was looking for a friend in a way at the end of the day. Like the last part of the scene is he's like, I just need someone to be a friend with. And you also notice that like he's sitting there by himself eating and then you see the same yeah. kind of story with T'Pol. And it's like, if this is a ship full of humans that can't wait to go out and meet aliens, why are they ignoring the two that are on the ship? Yeah, right? Like, you want to seek out strange new worlds? There's two right there. You don't know everything about them yet. I know you don't. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That doesn't, that's a point that doesn't, uh, doesn't fly with me in, in all of this, the whole series, because it's like you have right in front of you a possibility to learn mm-hmm. firsthand what not only the, the culture is like, but a, it's, you know, a person, it's like us traveling to a different country. You can, you can read the books, you can do whatever, but you know, if you have to travel to a different country and experience those cultures, okay. But what if you had an exchange student that came and lived in your house with you for six months to a year, and you didn't spend a ton of time with them to find out what are they like? What do, you know, what is their situation with family? All of that. Yes, it you're oh you nailed it. It makes no sense at all to me. Um, yeah. Um the movie night. I I love uh, this, but what the hell were they watching? And then the next one Sunset Boulevard. I mean, like I sure those are fine, but like come on, somebody put on Anchorman I, or something funny. Like that's not to be classic. I'm wonder, right. I'm wondering what what rights they were able to like use certain oh, yeah. movies or movie names for because it was like I mean, right now, I don't want to watch Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, who so, makes the choices like, for movie? So, so they go from uh, the awful one Mayweather was talking about, uh, Night of the Zombies or Night of the the something or others. 
to like possibly Sunset Boulevard to go, who, who, whoever's picking movies out of the 50,000 possibilities, you stink. You have send Crapola, them back, Crapola, kick them off the ship. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Oh, man. well, for um, movie night, what you said you would you would choose Anchorman? Well, no, the movie? If, no, no, no. I mean, that was just kind of a joke. If I was to be told you have to pick the movie tonight for all of these people from all different walks of life to enjoy, what would you pick? And I'd be like, mm. oh, here we go. I would probably pick. Oh, I guess there's there's so many movies that I find funny that are like so offensive. So it's like, if we find it offensive now, they won't even ad- address that in the future because they will have burned it like airplane. You know what I mean? Like, so I was going to say airplane. I'm like, Oh, I don't know about that. Um, maybe the sound of music. There you go. I would. Yeah. I just go, well, if you're going to go comedy, I'd hit Blazing Saddles and just... <laughs> Talk about <laughs> sketchy. Right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Can't do that anymore, guys. Spinal yeah, like, Tap. Spinal Tap would be wonderful, <laughs> too. Oh, all these. I hear you. I keep yeah. going back to that. And I, I was thinking, what movie would I... It's like, I go, well... I mean, you, I mean, that. I even thought, like, Lawrence of Arabia, just because it's a gorgeous-looking movie. Yeah. And... I don't know there, but there's so many things that, mm, you know, (laughs) underrated classic alien because (laughs) alien showgirls. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that's a fun, but he would see, this is where I think they should have had a committee discuss these because, and really only 50,000. Yeah. 50,000 movies. That's all. And isn't it, was it weird for you to see stuff uh, like four by three on the screen instead of widescreen? Yeah. I was like, (laughs) oh, this, this dates the show for me. Oh, for sure. (laughs) The other thing I noticed was Cutler when she said to him, I just want to be your friend. And he's like, well, what does that mean? Let's just see where it goes. Well, mixed messages much. That was an awkward, sketchy, kind of creepy thing to say. That confused. So, as a guy who can't read signals or signs or whatever worth of crap, anyways, that confused the bejesus out of me because I'm like, okay, I just want to be a friend. Okay, but let's see where it goes. And I was like, I just want what I, uh, yeah, I, I unless just, it was supposed to be a joke because she knows she's dealing with somebody who doesn't understand humans, and so she was playing on that. But like, eh. so she would have been the only one who got that joke. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that was, I go, Hey, build. I, I love finding out and flocks is right there of, Hey, I'm alien. Th- this is what my culture is. Mm-hmm. And this is what we do. And I, and there's multiple wives and multiple husbands, and there's no questioning of it. I do like where Cutler says, you know, I'm not looking to be, I think wife number four, but, um, on a ship this small, I got to think there's going to be relationships going on, but just be open. But the thing is, is that the show has been nothing but awkward about relationships Mm -hmm. because even in the past episode, Hoshi's talking about trying to get the information about Malcolm's food preferences and he takes it as he's she's hitting on him and inviting him back. And it's awkward. It's like, no, I don't date coworkers. And then you have this really sad little crappy version of what re or with what Tripp's been going through, but then you had this thing with Topal who was going to get married. And then now you mm-hmm. have this creepy cutler. I don't like her. I got my eye yeah. on her. She might shiv you. Careful. Oh, 
I could take her. Um, yeah, you could. The the mink was that the species that we're talking about? Correct. The mink. I want to see them in Discovery. Have they evolved nine hundred years Ooh. in the future? Nine hundred plus years? Did it happen? That would be. Did it not happen? Very. That would be very interesting to see. Tie it well, up. Time together. Especially with all this, with the whole, you know, Prime Directive that isn't there yet. Hmm. Um, the whole discussions of playing God, the whole, we okay, we're not going to play God, but they kind of do anyways, you know, mm-hmm. with go, okay, hey, we're not giving you a cure, but but here's a medicine that will help deal with all the symptoms for at least 10 years. Maybe you will invent a cure on your own. So they're still kind of playing God in this, but I, I enjoyed Flock's just I enjoyed the parts where Flox disagrees with Archer and really isn't going to be easily swayed by anything Archer says. I didn't like the, you know, seemingly to me little kissing up at the end where Flox is, you know, finishing his his letter to the other doctor and like, oh, my captain and this and the, that. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, this, this was, you know, a really interesting episode and could have been more where originally in this episode, the ending was going to have Dr. Fox disobeying Captain Archer's orders to administer a cure. Oh. Right? And it's like, that would have been a huge opportunity for a, a lot of drama right there, mm-hmm. but in future episodes as well. Um, and the network made him change it. Ooh. Right? Yeah. I liked the little reference to Ferengi. That was kind of a surprise. The and Ferengi that the Vulcans didn't know who they were, or according to DePaul. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay. You know, we're I can see the Ferengi and the Vulcans getting along really well. We're sprinkling <laughs> them in there. We're sprinkling them in there. Those are some very thoughts. interesting. You know, those are the thoughts. Last thought cheese and Porthos. Oh, poor guy. Gotta stop it. Gotta stop I it. Mean, no cheese, no dairy. Don't do it. Yeah. Especially on an enclosed environment. Don't do yeah. that to everybody. That's mm-hmm. just. Absolutely not necessary. You know what's necessary though? <laughs> having lots of pins, having fancy pins. That is very necessary. See, I just made up a song and you love it. Amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, if you could see, if you could see Sarah, she had to mute her mic and she's falling <laughs> over laughing. The the rolling of the eyes, uh, the sign, handwritten sign that says, please don't ever sing again. I just so leave the recording. I this episode. <laughs> I never come back on the show. Shut down Twitter. That's it. Blocked. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Oh, but hey, Discovering Trek listeners, we're taking this moment to thank our friends over at Fansets for being the exclusive sponsor on Discovering Trek. The Fansets crew are always working to put out the best product available and to surprise us with new designs and product releases. There are more great products out right now, right this minute. Each month, there's something new. There are pins from all the Trek series, the latest emoji pins, the Trek series master sets, and of course, some really fun non-Trek items like Scooby-Doo, Batman 66, DC Bombshells, and Irwin Allen. I'm looking at the Deep Space Nine 25th anniversary master set. Dang, that, that thing is sweet. So that might be coming on very quickly. There are tons of pins and accessories for you at fansets.com. So how about this? After listening to us giddy up over to fansets.com, browse page upon page of fantastic pins, and then load up your cart. Yes, sir. Remember, 
Enter the special code word discovering truck in all caps, no spaces at checkout for an amazing 10% off your entire order. And if you're in the US and you spend more than 30 buckaroos, you also get free shipping. Yeehaw. Fansets, our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Doop, doop, doop. What up? You know what? what I do? Wow, that was glorious. You know what's when you know what's brewing? Can you smell something brewing? Yeah. I do. It's mm, Porthos. <laughs> <laughs> Porthos is brewing some Dutch ovens. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> um well, Chef's old special of the day. And you brought it up, and I think this is very good and Ed. We should discuss this some more. Starfleet and romance. Um, hmm. How painful is this topic in Star Trek? Very. It's, it's, yeah. it's bad. And I find it so weird that it's so bad. And I was thinking about this when we recorded our previous episode, again, Silent Enemy, because it brought up a lot of thoughts that I... I'm now kind of really thinking about with the awkwardness of the interactions of people on this show. I think I like it because it's, it's so realistic to how people are like, whether it's, whether it's um, Dr. Flock's trying to pick up on Cutler, whether it's Cutler being kind of weird about her response, whether it's Hoshi trying to find out about Reed, whether it was Flock's kind of asking to Paul for advice. I think that it's being done really well because these people are at work. Now, mm-hmm. sure, they live with their coworkers, and it makes it a bit different because they have to find a social time and it's going to be with their coworkers. But as somebody who has their few friends at work that they would trust and talk to, I, I don't I, interactions with everybody else are going to be awkward and odd because I know you in a professional sense. I behave completely different when I'm at work versus when I'm not at work because mm-hmm. I'm at work. And so I think that's part of it is that sometimes the series and this franchise struggle with that in between of like romance and people in Starfleet. I mean, people that are in the military are married, people in the military date whether it's dating mm-hmm. people that are also in the military or dating people that are home with families. And, and it's, it's not a weird thing. And it feels like this show makes it a weird thing that people are just uh, like completely opposed to the idea of either dating on a ship or carrying on a relationship successfully. I mean, even the history of captains, mm-hmm. how many of them have been single? Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. All of them. Yeah. Well, no, maybe not all. I mean, we had a widow, of course, with Cisco, mm-hmm. and that was a unique scenario that I really enjoyed. We know that Janeway was in a relationship, Janeway. and that played a part in her whole story. Yep. But Picard and Kirk were the very strong single. Pike um, is um, mm-hmm. single that I know of as of now. Archer. Am I missing somebody? Oh, with some of the other captains that have come and gone, like Saru and stuff throughout this di- discovery and Giorgio. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think about this in a couple different ways. One, I, I go to the pragmatic for a television production. You have much more opportunities for different dramatic situations if your characters are unattached. 
because that can then put them into different possibilities. So I was like, okay, I I get it. But yeah, so you're on this ship, the NX-01. You're going out. They say, hey, we're going to go explore. You're... It's like you're being on best behavior sometimes in the show 24 hours a day. Or like you said, you're at work, but then, you know, you go to eat. And we've only seen people out of uniform a few times. So, like, hey, while you're working, if you go eat lunch, you're in uniform, but you're at work. Mm -hmm. And then when your shift is over... Do you go back to your, you know, your little bunk bed and, and single cl- little tiny closet, change into whatever civilian clothes you have, and then what do you do? It's funny because I feel like the only show that's really touched on some of these things well is Lower Decks. Not only yes. does the captain have a husband who's also, you know, within Starfleet and they have their discussions about their daughter, but then you also see them like coming face to face with the nighttime crew or whatever the right? opposite crew is. And then they're like, we're going to go like, or Discovery too have had like parties and stuff where they're socializing a bit and it's a bit more, uh-huh. but it's just kind of ironic that the whole show, like, Oh, Laura Dex did that. Laura Dex did that. Laura Dex did that. I'm like, well, go figure. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just kind of, and maybe it's just because it's modern times and this is stuff that people think about now is that, that I think mind, so. that work mind balance, that work life balance. It's a real thing. And I think people pay attention to that more. And so if you're in a scenario where you live at work, mm-hmm. you got to have a, a gang of people you party with and, and, and can let loose with and trust that it's not going to, face you the next day at work. I hear you. I mean, part of this is also when Enterprise came out. I mean, you know, Bush era and conservative E and, you know, hey, we're focusing on an American male, you know, as the lead of this and uh, definitely having real just issues of how to realistically portray relationships and relationships that you know may start out friendships and then become deeper mm-hmm. and organically grow from that or just things where you meet somebody and you're instantly attracted and go, hey let's date and okay but yeah if yeah. you're in all these ships like you said things are going to happen and i mean gosh take take a page from the office and you know michael yeah. and jan and go hey we're going to write out this relationship agreement with dunder mifflin so everybody knows yeah. that we're in a relationship and nobody can get sued i mean starfleet could have had that on a pad saying mm-hmm. hey hey if it doesn't work fine. yeah i just find it ironic that of how many series of star trek do we have the only person that to me realistically represents what a human would be like out there doing this is O'Brien and Keiko Mm. and the struggles and the realistic Mm -hmm. lifestyle of like, we got to go to this deep space nine now. I'm sorry. It's not what you wanted. And I don't know what you want. And is it safe for our kids? And is this, this is space. This is, that's real human emotion and the ugly side of relationships and the, and the beautiful side of relationships. And it's weird that in all these series, we only have one example of what's more likely the realistic approach of how this would be. I don't care how evolved we get with technology and get get rid of war and famine. People are still going to get pissy at their partner. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and if we, if we, as a, you know, species grew and we grew past all that. So there isn't war, there isn't famine. Okay, then why are there not relationships 
on on these ships where i mean if there's space stations aren't there relationships for the people who are on the space stations it's just yeah um it's it's an interesting thing and i i keep finding uh more and more that i think about it read certain things of uh certain storylines and thought processes being very of the time that they were made and Mm -hmm. network thinking and what was going on sometimes Mm -hmm. politically but sociologically yeah it just seems really funny to me that of all the series the one that takes place on a space station is the one they decided to build the most relationship as though a space station isn't a ship well you know Mm -hmm. it's not a ship but it's no different than a ship these are people that have been sent there to work and live where they work it's exactly the same as this but yet there always seemed to be this idea of like oh this is a safe place where we can really build these character relationships whether it's odo and quark or kira Mm -hmm. and odo or jack uh jadzia and Worf, like all of them and i don't know why they had this idea in their head that like this is a safe place to do this because they're not moving i think part of it i thought about that too is you know it's it's stationary. What are people maybe watching this going to think in their head? It's it's a place that's in one place all the time, like Earth. You're here. You know, you're not traveling from place to place. And some little psychological thing. Yeah. And and also that and the writing staffs where the writing yeah. staffs for DS9 said, we're going to show this. We're going to show relationships. We're going to show the great parts and the, the awful parts and all that and really deal with it. Mm-hmm. And other writing staffs were either told or a dictate whatever from the upper ups of nope don't don't deal with that i mean enterprise is very much more adventure 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 not character driven yeah i I mean gosh we don't we don't know much at all no and they give you nuggets and the nuggets are either they either fail or they don't like yeah. the little bit of glimpse into Malcolm Reed's family was a fail, but little glimpses into Paul getting married was a win, you mm-hmm. know? So it's so 50, 50 with how well they deliver it. I think. I gotcha. I mean, that's yeah. part of one of the reasons I loved this episode as much as I did it is we got to learn a mm-hmm. lot about yeah. flocks. Yeah. I have like, a question. Yeah. Oh, go for it. Oh, I love the questions from Sarah. Do we, how much, the prime directive is brought up here in its infancy as in this should be a directive. We should have a directive. Oh, yeah. Do we Such see good writing. The, do we see through the course of this series, the creation of the prime directive? Do we see a lot of reference to it? Do we see, is it talked about a lot and developed a lot or should I just be like, don't really think more about it. Cause that's it. That's the only nugget you're going to get. Um. I uh, I'm purposely not saying things so okay. that it doesn't influence how how you initially see this series. Okay. Um, but I I would think since everybody who is watching this knows a prime directive comes up at some point or another. I mean All that's right. kind of a little bit of the fun of the whole series is I have to keep watching is what you're yeah. saying. And God we know how it. well we know how certain things end, yeah. right? So that's that's the one I, the one thing with prequels that always bothers me is for certain things you know how things are going to end so yep. they have to wiggle around certain things uh, give you some good story writing of how yeah. things come about and maybe you know certain things work originally 
Hmm. Like, maybe, hey, maybe you find out they do a prime directive next week and it says the prime directive is save everyone. Right. And then a few episodes in, see that, oh, that doesn't work. Oh, yeah. okay, no, nope, we've got to change this prime directive. Yeah. Um, but as you go along, yeah, it's something, you know, that maybe comes up. Cool. All right. Maybe not. There we go. But, oh. That's it. That is it. I mean, that's, that's, so everybody, I think since we both enjoyed this episode so much, I think it's because character driven. Mm. It's a slower paced episode Mm -hmm. that's character driven. So we finally start getting into why we should care about these people who are in a dangerous situation all the time. And that can invest us. invest us into the story and so my thought on all of this would have been hey a few more character heavy episodes in the beginning to get people invested so then you can go with the you know pew 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 episodes and the action adventure go for it yeah but i really loved it so oh gosh y'all i mean that wraps up our coverage on dear doctor we'll be back next time chatting about sleeping dogs as we continue to celebrate the 20th anniversary year of Enterprise. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or by heading to discoveringtrek.com. Tell your friends about us and bring them along for the journey. Where can all our fantastic listeners find us on social media? Heck, there's Twitter and there's Camp Kittimer on Facebook. If you enjoy what we're doing here on Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, please consider supporting us on Patreon. As a subscriber, you can get access to the unedited recordings of episodes as well as exclusive content and great subscriber rewards like our annual supporters pin from Fansets and our exclusive Trek Geeks Podcast Network t-shirt, among other new goodies the Bill and Dan are working on. We would like to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek. We are so thankful for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Chris Tribuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and Jess Vashon. The senior producer of Discovering Trek is Jude Tatman. Jude the Dude Tatman. If you'd like to become a producer of Discovering Trek or even get access to the raw audio for Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Until the next movie night with Cutler and Flocks, pass the popcorn and two to beam out. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Look at that.